Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. My guest today is Ben Mones, the CEO and founder of Fama. They use AI to examine the behavior of candidates and employees. Just like everything else, today background screening is becoming more complex and more reliant on technology. And that's what Ben and I are going to talk about on this edition of People Tech. Hey, Ben, thanks for coming by. To start, can you tell me a bit about what Fama does um, and, and how does it do it? Yeah, sure. So uh, Fama is the world's uh, largest social media screening company. You can kind of think of us as uh, like the modern background check instead of looking at, you know, were you a low-level criminal offender, you know, six years ago, we're much more focused on, uh, you know, what we think uh, employers and customers care about today. So things like intolerance, threats, harassment, the sorts of things that might like alienate customers or make good people want to leave a company if those sorts of uh, you know, employee behaviors are, are left to kind of thrive within the organization. Um, and we do it by giving employers the tools and insights they need uh, during the candidate screening process to bring in insights from the publicly available web, whether it's social media, news media content, um, you know, offline sources like LexisNexis, for example, but really enabling customers to sort of productize insights from the public web, bring them into uh, their talent screening process and, you know, get ahead of risk related to things like intolerance, threats, harassment, that kind of thing. Now, is this all social media when you talk about the public web or is it coming from other sources as well? Yeah, so think about anything that's publicly available online um, about a person, so anything that you can discover, you know, it's really accessible, nothing on like the dark web, deep web, anything like that. But uh, yeah, consider publicly available social media, news, web content, anything that might appear on Google, for example. And we offer a few different products. So customers, for example, that might need to uh, check, you know, every database, for example, we're able to go look at things like litigation, offline news, et cetera, you know, things that might have appeared in college newspapers, for example, that maybe uh, don't appear on the publicly available web. So really, depending upon your requirements and organization, we can uh, arrange a level of depth and comprehensiveness that fits the kind of role that you're hiring for today. Now, is the idea to uncover bad behavior or is there more to it than that? Yeah, so so maybe just taking a step back. So this is, uh, I like talking about what it's not. Um, so FAMA is not a score. This is not a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's not a yes or a no or a recommendation on a candidate, but instead it's a way for employers to identify the sorts of things that are relevant to building a great brand or building a great culture within their organization. So companies want to look at things like intolerance, threats, harassment, the sorts of things that I alluded to, but they may have very specific needs. They might want to look at references to company leadership. They might want to look at references that are maybe industry specific, but really what we're doing is not telling you as a customer if this person who's coming into your organization is good or bad. We think it's very difficult for a third party to kind of put a score on person, you know, especially using automation, that sort of thing. So we decided to focus on getting really good at identifying the sorts of things that employers care about today that they've already demonstrated sort of a, a policy or an interest in screening for today, but bringing in and encompassing the publicly available web to do that screening. So Customers, for example, when they come on board, they can set up and say, you know, these are the things that we care about. We want to identify any reference to call it sexual references, illegal drugs. We don't care about cannabis because we're hiring in California. But, you know, these are the things that we want to know about should they exist. 
in a candidate's publicly available digital identity, and Fama will do the work of finding the right person online, filtering through their content on your behalf, and only escalating for user review the sorts of hits that they've defined in their setup process as relevant. So really think about it like clients can, you know, in, in background screening terms, build an adjudication matrix directly in our software. And typically that's done in partnership with a background screening company or we have an integration today, essentially allowing them to line up one-to-one any potential candidate behavior they can consider adverse and our technology's ability to filter for that sort of behavior. So really what we're doing is saying like, we'll do the hard work of finding the right person and filtering through their content, but you customer, you're the one who defines and tells us what's relevant to building a great business. Cause you can have, you know, we've been doing this, um, you know, since set for seven years now and customers in the same industry, in the same geography of the same company size, you know, may look at very different things uh, when it comes to, you know, what's important to building a great brand or culture for them. So it's really about us like doing the hard work, the heavy lifting and allowing the customer to define and say, Hey, these are things that, you know, we care about. Okay. There's an interesting term you just use, adjudication. Matrix. Yeah. Matrix. It's a bit background screening speak. Yeah. Yeah. What, so, so what's an adjudication matrix? Yeah. Yeah. So, so think of an adjudication matrix is basically your ability to tell the technology as an end user. Um, these are the things that should they exist we would want to know about them. And two, we want to have an escalation path within our organization, should they exist, that makes it clear how we deal with these sorts of insights in a legally compliant and consistent fashion. So Fama's technology, any sort of background screening solution, anytime a third party is you know, engaging with another uh, business and allowing that business to sell them you know, publicly data that's compiled about people to be used in a hiring, benefits granting, or credit decision, it falls under the FCRA and part of the FCRA is saying, we need to have consistent frameworks for how we make decisions. We need to be you know, achieving things like maximum possible accuracy, for example, in our reporting. And so when I say adjudication matrix, what I mean is that clients can essentially take their policies that are internal to them, the consistent frameworks, for example, that they use to adjudicate background screening hits, meaning determine the appropriate kind of course of action and pathway within the organization to follow. When they do get a hit, we allow customers to do that natively within our solution. So rather than like taking the tech and bringing it into an existing process, we're much more focused on like, how do we take your process today, allow you to set that up inside of Fama so you don't have to do any other outside work, you know, out of the application, but really adjudicate the hits that come back in a process that's consistent, uh, you know, with how you're doing it today. Now, it, it, it seems like the universe you're working with, you know, as it were, you know, social media or landscape or public web landscape is probably gotten more complicated. Uh, a more complicated has probably become a more complicated thing to deal with over the last, say, 10 years. Is, is that mm. right? Am I right about that? Your technical challenge has gotten harder? You know, I, I would say the, 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 the industry itself, you know, from a social media usage standpoint, especially post, you know, COVID, post pandemic, people are sort of relegated to their homes and spending more time online, more time on the internet. You know, I think I uh, have to get the exact study, but I think uh, social media usage is up 75% post pandemic and posting is actually up north of 50% compared to the same period prior to the pandemic. So you know, interestingly enough, the, the ways that people post, the areas that they engage online um, has changed, but, you know, those, that's in the, the normal course of business, the evolution of new social media sites that are popping up, new sources, new ways that folks are engaging online. The uh, bigger changes, you know, that we've seen have been in more 
the different sorts of flags that customers might care about. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, prior to the pandemic, we had no clients that were interested in anti-vax behavior, for example. But suddenly we started seeing companies in the healthcare industry, for example, in the pharmaceuticals industry, those that were either like manufacturing the vaccines or distributing them, you know, that wanted to identify, hey, is there any anti-vax, for example, uh, you know, promotion that this person is making if they're coming to join a company where we're either procuring or distributing the vaccines, you know, that's a real risk to our business. So it's really, you know, interesting market. It's less of the, the sources. And you know, I'd say it's kind of just like standard course of business of where the information exists online. It's much more about the sorts of risk, I think, that have evolved over that same period. That's really been the thing that's, uh, that's changed. That means that our team has to do things like develop new um, algorithmic models to suss out and identify anti-vax behavior online in the same way we've done with things like intolerance threats and you know, harassment, illegal drugs, sexual references, that kind of thing. How about the business? Uh, you know, do your do your customers have different kinds of concerns than, than they did in the past? Are they looking for different kinds of things? Absolutely. And that that is one of the reasons that we've done our best to enable a solution where we're kind of like handling the rails of the process rather than like deciding what goes in and what goes out. So if you came up with like a score, for example, and you're a business that's saying, hey, we're going to score people on a scale of one to 100, you would really have to, I think, evolve the definition of that score over time as, you know, the sort of expectations of uh, consumers from the brands they purchase from, expectations from employees that join those companies, right? As those have evolved over time, the company would need to, in that scenario, evolve its matrix of the things that it's filtering for, screening for, and scoring on. With us, we knew that those sorts of things would change over time. That was a very intentional product step that we took. So we said, let's get really good at the things that won't change. Finding the right person online, reading text and image just like a person can, and enabling our clients to customize and configure you know, their own criteria with ease without us having to do any technical work. So I would say that while the things that companies have identified as risky per se have evolved over the past seven years or so, it hasn't required us to make too many changes from like a product standpoint because of the foundation of like configurability and customization that we built in from day one. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Now, in the last two years or so during during COVID, when a lot of people were working at home, yeah, it, it, it seems to me you'd probably have a really interesting perch to look at what folks are doing online um, that they might not otherwise be, just because they're using it so often, they're they're online more, they're isolated. So, did you? Notice anything particularly interesting, work-related or not, that happened during COVID that that was going on? 
You know, I would say in the hard to believe it's been 24 months now uh, at this point. I mean, even even framing it that way is, is hard to comprehend. But certainly, as you outlined, we talked about previously, like people spending more time online, posting more, right? That means the digital universe expands. And so, too, does the potential universe of risk to the employer, right? So that's kind of just a simple fact. More content online, more potential that there could be risky behavior out there. The real business change that we've seen uh, was really an increase in adoption. It's one of the reasons that, you know, Fama was able to, um, you know, raise a, a $10 million Series B earlier this year. So I'm really excited about It's only on the heels of the post-COVID growth that we've really seen, you know, the momentum pick up. And I think it's really because employers are getting fewer and fewer opportunities to meet their people in person, right? There are so many, like, call it, you know, qualitative, call it anecdotal, but these different elements of the candidate onboarding process, whether it was did someone show up on time to an interview, did they send a thank you note? Did they, you know, and some businesses bring their resume in on the nice paper, right? Did, you know, they make eye contact, you know, did they uh, comport themselves in a way that's reflective of the values of our organization? That's all out the door when you're hiring remotely. You know, we're in these Zoom engagements, these Zoom meetings where the only thing you can really comment on is someone's lighting and what time they logged into the meeting, right? So I think companies are now starting to identify you know, how can we begin ensuring that, sure, this person is qualified, sure, this person has the experience, sure, they reference well, but how are they going to reflect the values that we know make us great, that make our brand so uh, attractive in the eyes of our clients, that make customers want to keep coming back? How do we ensure that that person is going to extend those values in the eyes of our customers, or our employees, rather than detract from them? So I think that has been one major elements since COVID, the remote work shift where you're just seeing new tools and techniques, you know, that uh, hiring managers, talent screening professionals have to pursue as the sort of external pressure is placed, you know, on the business, which is to say, hey, look, you know, we can't use the same tools and techniques before. We still need to get to the same outcome of a well-vetted candidate, but we uh, maybe don't have the same process and workflow that we could go through in a pre-pandemic environment where we say, hey, yeah, just bring, you know, Jane down to the office and, and we'll do the, the full, you know, six hour session with her and see what it looks like on the other side. That's all, you know, happening remotely now for a good number of, uh, of companies, at least our clients today. Okay. So how do you see the business evolving in the next few years? Uh, you know, what are, what are the sort of trends or directions you're, you're keeping an eye on that you think are going to you know, influence your product decisions, your roadmap and all of that? Well, I think you have a, a few kind of key trends. One of them is certainly COVID, right? And, and remote work. I think that will have a continued effect on the overall kind of, uh, you know, screening mix and the tools that our, you know, users are, are accessing today, right? It's if you think about talent assessment, talent acquisition, you think about, you know, hiring, shared services, these are all teams within organizations that are facing external pressures that they haven't before. And I think, you know, the screening mix is one of them. You know, we're starting to see, all right, what are the tools and, and techniques we're using? I think the, the second piece that, that's sort of shaping how we think about product in the future are um, some of the changes in the compliance arena. Um, so we're starting to see that there are um, certain counties and certain states that are restricting the amount of information that uh, companies are able to use when running a background check. For example, there's legislation in Los Angeles County, uh, where we are here, you know, where FAMA is headquartered, uh, that doesn't allow employers to use date of birth uh, when running a background check on an individual, which makes it very difficult to match accurately and identify and say, hey, these are the background check hits on the individual in question. Now, 
this is all part of the broader um, fair chance argument, fair chance legislation that essentially is trying to give uh, you know folks that maybe have a criminal record uh, a clean shot at the future, right? They did their time, time to reintegrate, et cetera. It's something that a lot of people can get behind me personally. Big proponent of second chance hiring, wrote a piece about it last year. You know, some people it was right in the middle of everything going on with COVID, but last April, you know, Biden called it second chance month just as a way to kind of get you know, the, the workforce expanded and, and bring, you know, uh, nonviolent offenders back into the workforce and really pushing that as a way to kind of manage some of the labor concerns that we're having, you know, as a country right now. And I think you're going to see more of that. I think you're going to see more of those compliance changes that in addition to the remote work external pressure, you'll begin seeing companies that are saying, all right, well, now we have compliance changes on the types of uh, uh, data records that we can access, that we historically access today to solve this problem of what's the risk this person is bringing into our organization. And now, you know, with these compliance, changing, uh, compliance changes coming into play, you have the same user, the hiring manager, the, the talent assessment user that is essentially saying like, okay, I have fewer tools to use. I agree, you know, many folks are on board with fair chance hiring. It's something that both employers and customers can get excited about something I think that we can all align around, but that still leaves the HR manager, the talent assessment person with this question of like, how do I ensure that this person is going to, again, extend my brand in the eyes of my customers and build my culture along the value lines that we've sort of identified as being critical for our business. So I think that's the, the real question where, you know, it's not like expectations from the market has changed on hiring a great person but they have fewer tools to access and fewer tools to use. So I do think you'll see employers with these compliance changes, that external pressure on the screening tool mix, uh, you know, is going to drive more adoption of, of solutions like ours and, you know, really require us to start thinking about, okay, well, how do we arrange product configuration, for example? How do we arrange data sources, price point, uh, turnaround time, ongoing monitoring, all of these different elements of background screening that, you know, we're not in today, but areas that we're interested in pursuing, um, you know, how do we begin evolving our product mix to fit these sort of uh, external pressures that our users are facing today? And so I think those are two elements, the, you know, kind of uh, uh, remote work piece and the compliance piece that are really driving changes in our industry right now. And I mean, more generally in backgrounds, and you're just seeing a huge amount of consolidation and M&A activity, where I think the folks that can innovate, the folks that can differentiate, um, in a highly consolidated market will be the ones that win. So really exciting time to be in screening. Obviously, hiring's never been uh, at the pace that's you know happening right now and all those folks are getting checked. So you know it's it's a good time to be in screening, but it's a time of uh, I'd call it great dynamism where we're going to see a lot of changes over the next few years as a result of some of these like remote work and compliance changes uh, you know over time. So Ben, thanks very much for taking the time today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Mark. My guest today has been Ben Moniz, the CEO and founder of Fama. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts. To see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer.
do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.